The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. And another thing that's doing so well at the moment is New Ross and Killian Murphy and the movie Small Things Like These. Just great excitement in the Wexford town this week when Killian himself was spotted filming a scene for that movie Small Things Like These. The movie is adapted from the Booker nominated novel by Claire Keegan who also wrote a course on Colleen Kuhn, Oscar nominated on Colleen Kuhn. And although councillor Michael Sheen doesn't star, he has lots of news for us from New Ross this morning. He's going to tell us all about Christmas in March in New Ross. You're very welcome, Michael. Thanks, Orla, and thanks for the invite to talk to you about what's going on. It's uh, great times, great buzz. Oh, I'd tell us. Absolutely amazing atmosphere. So what's it like? What's going on? Do you know what? It's unreal to just watch a movie been made and you're you're standing there watching it you're like i know him i've seen her i know what that is and then all of a sudden you're like is that it and then when you see it on the television you're like oh right <laughs> so that's how they do it so there's been a lot of that going on but um for the last couple of months and intensively in the last couple of weeks the council have been working with the production company mm. on site selection on making sure everything is available and doing everything that we can and in fairness, the business and the people of the town are literally rolling up and they're putting their shoulder to the wheel and everyone is pulling together with the crew and the uh, production crew and with the cast to make this a really, really, really good success. And, you know, when you look at it been made, you're like, oh, right. OK. But then when you see the finished product, it's like, I can't believe they did, you know, they made it into that. Mm. And. For anybody who's around now, they're filming um, for the next couple of days, I think, in the downtown and then they're moving up to the Irish town area. Okay. But if you can, like, just stop for a few minutes, have a look at it, see it just to see it. It's something you're not going to see every day um, down this neck of the woods. I see a lot more now that the county council have a film studio that's been developed in the, the north end of the county. Mm-hmm. Paris Studios. You know, and, and yet yeah, that's correct. And as you know, um, small things like these is set in New Ross, 1985, Christmas time predominantly. So the main street is Key Street. So if you're coming over the old bridge, this is the street that would be right in front of you. Okay. Which is currently. So near where the Dunbrody is, is it? No, no, it's literally when you come over the bridge, the old bridge, so Hanron Bridge, mm-hmm. this is the street that you see right in front of you where all the traditional ah, shops are. going up the are. hill. Okay, good stuff. Yeah, yeah. So you'll see, um, for example, the auctioneers on the corner there. Mm-hmm. And in fairness, and this is something that you wouldn't expect, you know, and you wouldn't witness on a daily basis, but the production crew are so attentive to details because it's set in 1985. So you can't have like a Harry Potter book sitting on the corner ah. or you can't have, you know, something like that. I saw some like, Ford Escorts and all going around and some of the photos. Yes, so there is, but there are several cars. And if you're into cars like I am, there's a parking lot up on town where all the cars are parked there just okay. on call, on standby. And there was some cars that were 1991, 1992, fantastic looking cars, but out of, out of range. So it can't be used. Wow. Do you know what I mean? But so if you can and you can walk around the set when they're not filming you can, obviously the street is you know we're, we're still operating in business businesses are still open doing their thing um but all of key street has been returned to 1985 so they the crew have literally painted every shop back to how it would have looked back in 1985 product placement is back to 1985 it's set in christmas so there's a christmas tree up the uh, christmas lights are on and it just looks amazing and what's really uh, amazing to look at is their attention to detail mm. like how things would have been in 1985 in terms of the telephone numbers in terms of the products that we would have had and used 
some of us who would be old enough to remember the actual use of the products mm-hmm. would say, all right, I remember that. But everyone else, it's a great nostalgia. So, and is there a you know, buzz around a, a bit buzz. like when, well, that's exactly what I was going to ask you because I even, yeah. I remember going to Enniskerry in County Wicklow last summer, the summer before when they were filming Disenchanted. Is, is it that sort of a destination for people? Have you noticed it? Yeah, there, there's actually a great kind of tempo, a great buzz about like, have you seen him? Have you seen her? Have you seen this, that? Year? And now in fairness to the crew, they've hired over 200 standbys and extras. Great. So they're on, they're on there and they're all dressed up and, you know, they're very strict about what they can do and what they can't do. Um, they have, you know, restaurants and businesses and pubs have been seconded because most of the filming is at night. So some of the bill, some of the pubs have had to close early and they're just doing food for the crew and the standby crew and the extras until four or five in the morning. So it's it's a huge investment in the air in terms of the economics and the business. Mm. But the atmosphere is just great. You can feel it when you're coming in. You know it. Like the filming on Monday and Tuesday night now, there's a decent crowd around looking at it. And, you know, it's really hushed. Everyone's quiet. You see them all in action. And that's it. And you see the crew and you see the massive amount of support staff that are there. Like mm-hmm. the, the film crew is actually quite small. But yet they have two car parks full of machinery, equipment, and, uh, you know, for for the stars, not myself, not myself, there's limousines there ready on standby oh, to just whisk them up and get them off to wherever they're going. Now tell us, but, have you seen them all? Have you seen Emily Watson? Have you seen Kieran Hines? And of course, have you seen Killian himself, Killian Murphy? Um, well, we've seen, seen them coming in, coming out. Like when we, we were there on Tuesday and we were there last night, but on Tuesday night, um, Killian was down on the main street itself, so you couldn't but see him. Mm. You know what I mean? Like so, so he's, he's filming on the main street or pottering around the main street. Um, he was actually working, but you know he was filming and involved in the production of it. So okay. I think he has a couple of roles in his movie other than acting. Uh-huh. But but everyone like there's pictures of him going at different sites. The movie's been shot in different parts of the town, okay. um, up on Michael Street, up on Neville Street near the Ross Inn pub, and up in the Irish town near the Magdalene, where the mm. Magdalene laundries was. So he's like, the crew are moving around, it's quite fluid, they're moving around quite quickly, so you could literally see him anywhere. And I was standing there um, Tuesday night watching the film crew, and lo and behold, he was literally standing right in front of me. Oh, very like, small oh, I hear. Is he small? Um, well... You know, when you're six foot two, everyone's well, a little smaller than you. <laughs> Just get that in there, Michael. <laughs> so I, I'm going to be diplomatic and say, no, he's, he's smaller time, than like, you, you know, Michael. He'd be smaller than me, but okay. like he'd be, you know, he wouldn't be unusually small. Like, right? They'd be typical and thin, but very gaunt. Very, seems very pleasant, uh, you know, for anybody that's spoken to him or any of the crews that have met and the way he's interacting with, with people there. He does seem very pleasant. He doesn't have that, you know, that air of grace about him that he's aloof. But he is, I will say this, and we were watching him um, Tuesday night and we were watching him last night. He's very attentive to what he does. It's okay. a very intense, yeah. you know, and you just His know that this that. guy is great. Yeah. yeah. And, and it couldn't it, have been anywhere else. Of course, small things like these was set in New Ross. It would have been so disappointing if the film crew went to another town somewhere in Ireland. It would. And in fairness, they came down and they had a look around. They met with the district manager. They met with the crew of the council and they said, listen, we're delighted to do here. And I was talking to some of the production crew and the set designers and the location. And they were saying, you know what? We could not have done this the way we did it mm-hmm. in any other town in Ireland because the businesses, the people, the whole community has just rallied around them to say, listen, what do you need? And we'll make sure it happens for you. Because the film of this size, world, it's the amount of equipment and the amount of machinery and the amount of everything else they have to do mm-hmm. 
it's just massive. So, you know, we find that if you had a spare building with spare room, it got something into it. And that's the way it is at the moment. So we're all playing full on to get this, you know, over the line to be exactly the way that they view it. And like I said to you, there's over 200 extras and obviously mm-hmm. you need a green room for all these people. And then you have to, you know, to make sure they're dry. And so it's very funny because the the staff who are working with the extras are very strict on what they can and can't do. And mm-hmm. they can't be out in the rain and they can't be seen to be wet. So they're walking around like in those full white um, polished irene body suits that you'd see oh, like, <laughs> on different okay movies. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so it's grand. And, you know, they're really, the crew really are thankful to the people of New Ross and to the businesses for the interruption, but the courtesy and the support they've gotten. So, you know, if anybody's around, they're there for another week or so. And you can go and just visit and, just and... Come up and sample the atmosphere. Okay. If you can't see the crew in action... But certainly check out the, you know, check out Key Street over the bridge. And, uh, you know, like you can see what life was like back in 1985, right down to the Ford Cortina and the Ford Fiesta and uh, the, the Ford Escort that they have there. So it is authentically 1985. I, and I, I'd be a stickler for that type of thing. Mm-hmm. I'd be like trying to find out, is there something, is there a sticker <laughs> over there that's, you know, dated? And there was. And I was watching for it. I was watching for it. I came down Tuesday night. And the sticker was gone to be replaced by a shoe shop. You know what I mean? The whole thing was gone. You so, need to get into that film business, Michael. I was like, darn, you know what I mean? Darn, I wanted to see like, you know, CBD-based oil sold here in 1985, but it didn't there. So unfortunately Oh, that could go not. viral for all the wrong reasons. Well, look, at yeah, it's so yeah. exciting. And we've seen what Circle of Friends has done for Inish Deeg here in the southeast as well. So, and just down the road from you. So, Fingers crossed it just brings in so many tourists to the gorgeousness that is New Ross. It's a bit of a hidden gem, really, New Ross, isn't it? I think it will. Or And the fact that, like you alluded to, that Foster, um, the mm-hmm. the first novella, um, the movie adaptations, Colin Kuhn, what is doing so well mm-hmm. that I have every expectation that small things like these, now that's going film adaptation as well, Oh, equally as well. And you know what? We see, like you said, yeah, you said about in Innistig and Circle of Friends and Brooklyn was yeah, shot up in Ennisporthy. Yeah. And they've really done very well out mm-hmm. of it. And different movies across the area have. So with the, you know, with the grace of the industry and the grace of God, I think we'll do exceptionally well out of this. And it looks like the cinematography from what I've seen on it looks spectacular. And it looks like something you would see in Main Street USA, that type of thing. Brilliant. So um, I think we will be glowing um, in oh, the afterglow for so. this for quite some time. Well, so look, yeah, it's great. En- enjoy it. Embrace it all. Tell Killian I said hello. And Michael, as usual, thanks a million for talking to me this morning. Great stuff, Orla. Thanks for the call and drop up and say hello to oh, us. Oh, I will. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Joining me in the studio this morning are two independent businesswomen behind this week's Swap Shop event in Waterford City. They are Amy Orr from Yumi.ie who's dedicated to providing plastic-free alternatives to everyday items and minimal waste products and Ankuta Musina who we've talked to only a few weeks ago from the Good Wardrobe where she curates thrift and vintage items in her just beautiful store. Um, You're both very welcome. Um, Swap shops are a real buzzword these days aren't you? We had our own one here in Beach just a couple of weeks ago and it was really interesting to see other people's fashion in one sense and then you know see things that you mightn't necessarily try on in shops and know that you're doing something that's a bit sustainable as well. To be honest it's a really affordable way of shopping Mm -hmm. nowadays. You've been doing this a number of times haven't you the two of you? This is our fourth one but the first one for this year Um, so we had three last year that went pretty well actually Um, so Mm -hmm. yeah it's a fun way to kind of 
get new items in your wardrobe to refresh your wardrobe without, um, you know, breaking the bank, first mm-hmm. of all. <laughs> uh, second of all, you might pick items um, that you normally kind of wouldn't go for. And it's a sustainable way of doing it. So, And is it actually a swap shop in the fact that you'll say, oh, here's my denim skirt. What can you give me in return or how does it work? So basically the way it works is you bring in your clothes Mm -hmm. that you're trying to swap because you're not wearing them anymore for various reasons. And then on the day of the swap, you can swap with any other items in the shop. So So you have to physically bring in something in order to take part in the swap shop. Is that right, Amy? Um, Well, not necessarily. What we are doing is um, we keep it to a maximum of five items per person because obviously we don't want to be inundated with um, clothes that after the event um, so you pay three euro for every item that you want to swap okay um, and you bring in the equi- you know five items and you can take home the equivalent of five items okay. so um, for less than 20 quid you could go home with you know an entire outfit um, or else people can just come along on the day and they can pay five euro per item just okay. to shop and what have you seen in the past? Because we had everything from evening wear to summer wear here. Is it a, a, a bit of everything that you've seen in the past coming um, in? It's mainly casual clothing that people would bring in. But you do have the odd occasion when you, you get occasion wear or sports wear. There was a few kind of really yes. nice um, yoga pants and stuff yes. in the last few ones. I actually really like them. Some sustainable brands, actually. Um, so, yeah, you find really nice stuff. And there's people that bring in like clothes that are like high-end or high-fashion yeah. uh, brands. Unworn. And unworn nice. with tags on. So yeah. you can find really, really <laughs> nice things like, you know, and yeah. at this point, I find you can't really buy anything really for three euro, even in a charity shop. Um, yeah, it's really hard nowadays to find so something. It's a nice way for people to, you know, refresh their, their wardrobe mm-hmm. without having to spend a lot of money because I think we're all kind of struggling financially, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, with the prices of everything going up. Uh, you want yeah. to at least be able to afford that kind of... It shouldn't be a luxury, really, to, to afford clothing, but uh, yeah. to, to be able to... I think we all enjoy getting something new or, mm-hmm. you know, getting an outfit for a night out and stuff like that. And you don't want that pressure of, like, having to spend... And a isn't that in a way what fast fashion is doing? Unfortunately, yeah. it's giving us the opportunity to yeah. buy things so cheaply. I, like, you know, people who have the argument, it's a it's a hard argument to debate back. It to. is. Mm. Yeah. So wasteful. I actually read a, a staggering statistic the other day. Um, I think I, <laughs> you shared it on your stories, Anguta, um, that there are enough clothes on this planet to dress up the next six generations. Clothes, wow. yes. Wow. So yeah. There's no need to buy new anymore. Um, there's so many clothes. And what I'm going to start doing um, as well in the shop is to uh, repurpose clothes. So mm-hmm. take older clothes, like rip them apart and create kind of newer mm-hmm. newer items that are trendy. Because you, you find vintage items that wouldn't necessarily be on anyone's taste nowadays. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, yes. So um, because I'm a student in the in SETU in visual arts, I have a lot of very talented colleagues that are very good with embroidery. And um, I actually started collaborating with a few of them. So I'll see what I come up with. A really cool idea. Breaking news. Deadly. <laughs> and it's interesting what you say. I think we hear vintage and we think, oh, beautiful. It's not always yeah. beautiful. It's not no. always beautiful. No, I would completely <laughs> agree with that. But the fabrics, the fabrics yes. are like a higher quality and yes. if you wanted to buy mm-hmm. something nowadays that's built like and in, in the same way with the same fabrics it would cost you probably hundreds I know um, yeah. so it, 
it's really nice to to be able to reuse those materials mm-hmm. and you know yeah. give them a second life. Mm. Like one thing we're trying to stick to as well with the clothes swaps is um not high quality brands but we try and avoid or or try and we all know the ones you're trying to avoid. Some I get them. you. So a particular person I follow on Instagram who I I find her fascinating because her hauls like she really does oh, man. a haul is a haul it breaks and my heart yeah, yeah like why does it break your heart tell, tell me the stats of why that breaks your heart it's just clothes it's a combination of things should be made to be produced. worn I can't afford most sustainable brands myself mm-hmm. being self-employed um, I can't afford high-end sustainable brands but I do try and invest in other pieces but I do shop in pennies but the that's not the problem pennies isn't the problem it's people's habits mm-hmm. shopping habits like these huge hauls mm-hmm. if you're going to buy something you, one of the things that you need to ask yourself is do I really need this will I wear it at least it's called 30 wears mm-hmm. are you going to wear it at least 30 times mm-hmm. um, if the answer is no then if it's just going to sit in your wardrobe then Save your money. Yeah, true. Talk to me a little bit about size inclusivity because I think with a lot of swap, shop, swap shops, you know, they're the smaller sizes, you know. We are hoping to get some bigger sizes. Okay. Um, obviously, you know, we ha- we're we relying on people's donations. So um, I think for a lot of plus size women, it's really hard to, first of all, find clothes mm-hmm. that fit mm-hmm. and that are nice and that they can wear every day. But I also think that their wardrobes would be quite... Minimal as well. Um, I know a couple of fat babes uh, that I follow on Instagram. Um, and yeah, they, like their struggle to find mm. good quality clothing. Yeah, is, I've is seen real. a lot of clothes making going on from some people yeah, that I follow as yeah. well. Yeah, so yeah. it would be nice to, I don't know if we'll be able to, what range of sizes we'll be able to. Obviously, we'd love to be able to support, mm-hmm. you know, larger women. Yeah. Um, we did make a call for, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, because we have had a few requests, but okay. obviously it just depends on what we get donated. Okay. Um. So, yeah, like, I mean, loads of people, if there's something in your wardrobe that's too big, by all means, bring it in mm-hmm. and swap it for something that, that fits. Mm-hmm. Um. There, like, I have the same issue with the stock that I'm bringing in for the shop because mm-hmm. I have a lot of um, ladies that... You know, they were a size 16 or 18 or yes. 20. Mm-hmm. And they usually can't find much because, like, my supplier doesn't, like, mm-hmm. back in the days, I don't know what size people were, mm-hmm. but, like, I I don't fit in most mm-hmm. of the clothes. And, and so, I'm, like, oh, a size yeah, 10, size yeah. 12. Like, yeah, they were yeah. They're, like, the waistline was so tiny, like, mm-hmm. um, so they're very hard to source. And sometimes I even feel like I'm trying every time I call my supplier, like, can you please show me, like, your, yes. your um, plus sizes because we do the hand picks over the video. But, like, there's not much like it's very hard mm. it's very hard and I wish I could you know fulfill that kind of need as well okay. you know because you want to be all size inclusive so you want people to bring bigger sizes on the day or can they drop stuff into you now or well they, I would suggest yeah. to bring them in in the next week so the event is on 
Thursday. Yeah. Um, so myself and Amy will spend a full day trying to organize because <laughs> all of my stock will go out out from the shop okay. and then we'll have to put all the, you know, the swap items uh-huh. in the shop. So it takes nearly a full day of work. Yeah, um, so that's why we, we take the three euro is just okay. so we can organize the, um, the event ourselves. Okay. And where is uh, the best people, place for people to contact you on the Good Wardrobe then? On the Instagram, Instagram page. Yeah, people can uh, direct message myself. It's the Good Wardrobe data. Mm-hmm. my page mm-hmm. and Amy yeah yumi.ie um, and they can also drop clothes into CC Creatives great on 87 Marski lovely yeah. the swap shop is on this coming Thursday in the Good Wardrobe on the beautiful Bailey's New Street in Waterford City you can get more details on social media platforms the good wardrobe or the good wardrobe.me uh, so yumi.ie if you want to check out what Amy does as well but in the meantime Ankuta and Amy thank you so much for joining me this morning thank you so much Thanks again for having thank us. you the Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103 across the southeast it is Beat 102-103 so how do you fancy a bit of comedy and a bit of musical in your life this April Tonic might just be the tonic for you so Rough Magic and Fionn Foley are the people behind Tonic and Fionn joins me on the Sunday Grill to fill us in. You're very welcome. Thanks very much, Earl. A pleasure. I love a bit of comedy in a musical. I have to say, love Book of Mormon, Six, things like that. You're in good company, aren't you? Absolutely. Well, yeah, Book of Mormon's definitely a, a, a core text for me as well. Yeah, so it's <laughs> it's it's my wheelhouse, as it were. Yeah. So we're we expecting kind of very uh, jokes that have a bit of, you could take them either way when it comes to tonic. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that the, the the synthesis that we're trying to get is something that is upbeat and comedic and musical, but that also has a kind of, a, uh, I, I suppose, a, a kind of a, a satirical element to it as well. You know, that there's actually um, something that speaks to to society in it as well, you know. Lovely. It's, give us the premise of Tonic. Where is it set and when is it set? Well, it's in the set in 2047. So it's in the wake of a global doomsday event. Oh, OK. Um, so... Yeah, which is a nice old place to start <laughs> for something that's supposedly upbeat and jaunty, which it is, of course. It follows the Kalibi Triple family band, who are one of Ireland's premier touring folk trios. Okay. And they're in the wake of, a, as I said, a, a kind of a doomsday event. Um, and in an attempt to kind of revive their career and get back on the road, um, Cal Kalibi, who I play as the leader of the band, um, has offered his services to um, Vultura, who are a kind of a, a, I suppose, a mysterious body that um, are, have charged them with distributing this miracle tonic that's going to take everyone back to the halcyon days of the 2020s. <laughs> so it's kind of, um, it's based on actually the, I, I got very interested a few years ago in the idea of medicine shows, which people have some probably idea of whether it be the kind of the Western frontier, mm-hmm. roll up, roll up, snake oil salesman. Um, everybody kind of has some idea of what that, that, kind of uh, medicine show trope is mm-hmm. so I'm kind of putting it in an Irish context in the uh, not too distant future when essentially society has gone completely upside down and uh, I, I suppose it's about kind of how we all manage to put society back together again and whether we choose to find it in, in you know this bottle of a miracle halcyon tonic <laughs> or um, whether it's something different so I suppose it's about taking the darkest elements particularly post-pandemic because this is this all came together um, during the pandemic our first performances were in the Kilkenny Arts Festival mm-hmm. and the Dublin Fringe when and we did it all outside like an actual medicine show uh, <laughs> out of both necessity and also because that was the kind of vibe so it's about how we 
look at ourselves and how we start to put things back together in the wake of something completely unprecedented. And did the idea of Tonic come for you during the pandemic and because of the pandemic or you performed it during you know, it? Ironically, yeah, it's funny. Ironically, not not originally. I, I as I said, I got interested. I, I was touring a, a solo show to the um, the Edinburgh Fringe in 2019 and the, the kind of spark of inspiration came then. And then weirdly, it was one of the few things that kind of, I wouldn't go as far as to say benefited from the pandemic, but suddenly the story of somebody going around and uh, trying to convince everyone that they had this miracle cure, you know, had a had a strange resonance to it, and particularly that summer as well, when of course everybody was at each other's throats about what was, you know, what was mm-hmm. the right thing to do, what wasn't, and relationships even within families, which is what happens in this play, became very kind of uh, tumultuous as well. So uh, it developed within the pandemic and it was certainly informed by it. But I think now the nice thing that we're back on tour is that it's taken on another resonance now and it's not it's not specifically, a, you know, um, a comment on it. Um, but yeah, no, it's, that's the funny thing. It's, it's, it's Genesis was kind of slightly before the pandemic. Mm. And I presume when they go back to the 2020s, when they're experiencing the, the rapture of 20, the 2040s, they want to go back to post-pandemic 2020s. They don't want to be in lockdown well, or anything. That's the thing, yeah. Or, or else the assumption is that whatever happens in the 2040s is so, so horrible. <laughs> it must be uh, terrible. Even, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, we kind of keep it keep it open, but um, but yeah, basically society has crumbled. So it is, yeah, it, there's, a, there's a nod and a wink kind of energy to the humour. Um, but uh, the big, I suppose, central question of the play is when something like this happens, do we kind of try and, you know, uh, shut ourselves off from the reality of things and, mm. and, and, and entrench ourselves back in times where we felt more comfortable and we knew who we were? Or do we push forward in a more radical way and kind of hope for the best in the future mm-hmm. in a more kind of aggressive and, uh, and, and, and uh, liberal way? You know, mm-hmm. so it's about that, that thing that I, I'm sure everybody... Uh, no matter what their kind of family dynamic has those kind of two people that are constantly at loggerheads. So when it comes down to it, it is a family drama as well. It's almost like a kitchen sink kind of drama, you know. And it's what you and your two sisters, is that it? Yes. Yeah, so there's Cal Calibri myself and then his long suffering sisters. Jude Calibri kind of returns and she's the the one who's saying, look, this we, we have no idea what this halcyon tonic is. We shouldn't <laughs> be doing this. We should be and also suggests that the folk band go electric as well which for any folk purist is a complete carnal <laughs> sin. So you can imagine that exacerbates things. And then the the poor Lar sister is in the middle. Um, Lar doesn't speak. So Lar speaks exclusively through her fiddle. <laughs> so I suppose she, in a way, is representative of the audience and okay. the, the people that are caught between the two equally kind of vitriolic arguments, yeah. you know. And when you say those kind of medicine shows, they kind of make me a little bit sentimental. Of You know, when you were a kid, they, they always featured in like the Dr. Quinn medicine woman and stuff like that. You know, it's well, not on a lot thing, of shows everyone... these days. Yeah, people have different associations with them for sure. I mean, the, I think the Wild West kind of ones are the ones yeah. that, that people remember from the films, but they actually go back as far as kind of 19th century Paris. They were a real spectacle and they were basically these really manipulative and really tightly rehearsed shows that were that were uh, really dynamic and really musical. There'd be a hurdy-gurdy player and an entire ensemble of actors. But at the root of it was them trying to peddle something that they, mm. they would be kind of... Uh, uh, a cure for all maladies, essentially. So it was actually, besides being a really, um, you know, amazing thing to watch, there was a real uh, concentration of kind of 
manipulation in there and they were you know they basically mm-hmm. clean they, they made an awful lot of money and influence from these things you know mm-hmm. and then song wise are they all folk songs when we expect if they're folk singers and and what so sort of titles nice mix, do you have yeah. Yeah, well, the, the, the first thing worth mentioning is that um, it's all played live on stage. It was myself, Rosanna Purcell and Ruth Smith, who are all these uh, incredible uh, multi-instrumentalists and actors and singers. Um, so it's all generated on stage. Uh, yes, it starts off in a kind of a folk form, because that's what Cal wants, essentially, is to basically revive his folk career and, and get the old show back on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and then without giving away too many spoilers, it does weave in and out of a whole load of genres you probably don't expect <laughs> as well. Um, so it definitely doesn't sit, doesn't sit in its arse for too long. Okay, good stuff. <laughs> and do we have some song titles in there? Yeah, there there are a few. Um, without spoiling too much, there's the night the earth died screaming. Um, there's the Kalibi Triple Family Band, which is their 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 famous theme song. There's Maget against Balan, which is their greatest hit. So it's um, stuff that kind of feels eerily familiar, but there's also uh, it's pushing it into a kind of a slightly more insane territory I would say Okay I'm getting kind of South Park vibes there as well so there's, there's a, a bit of that yeah, yeah it sounds great there's a lot going on um, as I said I just think musical theatre and comedy just fits so well together um, if you fancy this year this week in Waterford on Wednesday and Thursday of this coming week the 5th and 6th of April at 8 o'clock in the Theatre Royal. Have you been there before, Fiona? It is just a gorgeous theatre. It'll be my first time, but that oh, is beautiful. exactly what I've heard from basically everyone, that it's a beautiful space. So we uh, we actually can't wait to get down there. It's gorgeous. Well, the musical is called Tonic and it comes from Fionn Foley and Rough Ma- Magic. Um, and you can get more details at theatreroyal.ie. Again, that is April 5th and 6th. That's this coming Wednesday and Thursday. Fionn, best of luck with it. And thanks a million for joining me on the Sunday Grill this morning. My pleasure, Orla. Thanks a million for having me. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. It's the Sunday Grill here on Beat 102-103. And if the Chocolate Garden of Ireland had a favourite time of the year, I guess it would be Easter. The award-winning family business is over 20 years old and based in Tullow in County Carlo. They have great workshops on for kids of all ages over the Easter break. And Jim Healy from the Chocolate Garden of Ireland joins me on the phone this morning to tell us more. You're very welcome, Jim. Morning, Orla. Yeah, thank you very much. Now, tell me, is chocolate and Easter did, are they combined? Your favourite time of year for for the Chocolate Garden of Ireland and you yourself, Jim? Yeah, personally, I love I love uh, the Easter uh, period. Like it's uh, it is it brings the spring and the weather is usually quite nice for it. And uh, look forward to the days are longer and uh, as they, the displays are nice and colourful. We got to, we we make lots of different types of colourful eggs. And uh, the displays are really nice as well. So I love that time of the year in any case. Like so, and chocolate just adds to it. Like, and tell me, what sort of a chocolate man are you? Are you dark, white, milk chocolate? What's your favourite? Yeah, my my my, my, my personal favourite is actually a, a dark chocolate Madagascar, uh, a dark Madagascar chocolate, like which is really nice and really okay. special. What percentage that, like, are we talking there? You do like the kind of eighty percent? Generally, I, I, when I make that, sometimes up as far as eighty, but oh. normally about seventy percent. Uh, and above seventy percent is uh, is quite it's actually quite good for you as well. So there's lots of health benefits uh, to uh, to dark chocolate as well. So uh, we all, as I say, we all love chocolate in our premises in the chocolate garden and uh, 
in our household as well. We're all we're all very happy to eat chocolate and try different chocolate. And is that a taste bud thing, Jim? For being, you know, for, as we were saying, the chocolate garden of Ireland is over twenty years old. Is has that come with your taste buds? Like, would your kids like dark chocolate, or are they purely milk yeah, chocolate like kids? I, I maintain like that. You need to eat a lot of chocolate to get to the dark, uh, the darker side of the chocolate. Like, so a lot of young people would actually like white chocolate. And uh, that, but as you eat more chocolate, obviously you graduate to milk and then then to dark. But we even, you know, in our workshops, we let um, everyone try a, a medium dark chocolate around fifty to fifty five percent dark chocolate solids. And uh, and often people are surprised and saying, "I didn't like dark chocolate, but that's really nice." Okay. So, uh, like you know, if you have nice grades of chocolate, uh, you know, most people will enjoy them. But once you go to seventy percent, you have to be a little bit of a connoisseur to okay. to enjoy to enjoy them. Like I'm afraid I'm not a, a connoisseur, a Jim. I love white chocolate, and my childhood revolved around those white chocolate mice. Do you remember them? Which oh, probably do, didn't absolutely. have any chocolate in them at all. But I love a bit of white chocolate. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a sweet. It's it's quite a sweet taste, and that's like you know, and it's it's you know, white chocolate made from. Uh, from the cocoa butter part mm. of the cocoa bean mm. uh, and that like and, and it's that sweet so as you as mm. you move on a bit it gets a little bit less sweet okay <laughs> good to know let's talk workshops because of course you have workshops all year round at the chocolate garden of ireland in tullow but this time of year you have a very special workshop with a very special guest as well yeah we have uh, we have uh, when you come uh, to the chocolate garden workshop during easter you get to uh, make uh, something like a chocolate Easter egg. Make your own chocolate Easter egg. Design it, make it, and then get a chance to uh, to bring you bring home the egg and the mold that you make it in. So it's good fun. And then we have the special guest that comes along. Uh, that's our Easter bunny, and he's um, he's quite happy to meet and get your photograph taken with him. And uh, he's uh, a good fun bunny as well. He's uh, he's about two and a half meters tall. Oh. So he and he li- he likes people like so. At least we think he's a he anyway. Like he, he comes along <laughs> and it's what he's, he's good fun. Okay, good stuff. Now, um, it's about an hour and 40 minutes. So all ages entertain for those all hour and 40 minutes. We say from, uh, for, you know, really from school going age where, uh, you know, we, ha- we have it broken up into different sections and that like, so it's quite enjoyable. You get to taste chocolate. You get the chance to taste different types of chocolate, different grades of chocolate. Uh, chocolates that we make at the time as well. Like we make... Um, uh, some chocolate during it so we, we show you how we make chocolate and uh, also uh, you get to learn all about chocolate where it comes from how it's grown and how it's made and so on so it's 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 a little bit educational lots of fun and you know we, we uh, you get a chance to smell what cocoa beans are like and mm-hmm. so on so it's it's actually good it's good fun as well For as I say from anyone from school going age the oldest person we've had doing the workshop was 94, 95 okay. and they, they equally enjoyed it like so it doesn't matter the age group, uh, you know, it's a bit of fun and a bit educational as well. Brilliant, good stuff. Well, the best place that you can go to check out details of all the workshops, but of course, the Easter workshop that is running at the moment is chocolategarden.ie and you'll see the dates and you can book there as well. Jim, enjoy the run up to Easter and eat loads of 70% plus dark chocolate. Dark chocolate. Yeah, really <laughs> enjoy it all and thanks for talking to me this morning. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Arlene. It's a pleasure. 
There you go. Just so much going on in Tullow and County Carlow for Easter time. If you're around the Kilkenny area, Nor Valley Park have an Easter egg hunt. If you just search for Nor Valley Park, you'll see booking details on there. And also um, Castlecomer, the Discovery Park, have a new skyline walk that they're going to be launching as well. So if you search for Castlecomer Discovery Park. So loads of things going on in the southeast on the run up to Easter. Uh, enjoy the break if you have the break over the next two weeks. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Five counties, one station. You're listening to Beat 102-103. Brian's here. How you doing? How are you? One Brian, five counties. One Brian, five counties. It's funny you say that as well because I've been going around. This is a really Irish thing to do. I've been going around not saying John Wick, but... John Wick. John Wicks. John Wicks. I for John Wicks from Clonmel. <laughs> when you said you were going around, I thought you were going to say you have been promoting your show by word of mouth, just going up to tell him, "Hey, listen to my show on, <laughs> on the Sunday." Sunday yeah, just walking—that'd be a very Irish thing. I'm on the radio. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it would also be really embarrassing because you know, imagine the blank stares of people—they'd be like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, Wait, I'm not good at stuff like that. You get the opportunity to talk to Brian. Oh my God, I'm listening for sure. Brian Griffin. Brian Griffin, not of. Family guy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Brian, you know my feelings on movie lengths. Anything over 90 minutes needs to take a long, hard look at itself. Okay, did you see the length of this one? Well, yes. And okay. here we go with my really put together thoughts. John Wicks has decided... Wicks! There I go John, again. There you go. John Wick has decided to ignore all my advice. The fourth chapter is the longest of them all. It's yeah. 169 minutes. Mm. That's a blood-soaked two hours and 49 minutes of shooting, killing, fighting, punching and not much talking from Keanu Reeves. Um, Okay, so did it all go by in an enjoyable flash for you, Brian? Or did you feel every one of these, and I calculated this, 10,140 seconds? That's a lot, isn't it? It is a good few, to be fair. Let's have a listen. This is a minute long. I think Keanu speaks for maybe six six words. Let's have a listen. That's all you need. (laughs) This hit goes out to you, Mr. Wick. Woke up this morning. 42 regular, wasn't it? Yeah. And so it begins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, I'm living in this time behind enemy lines, so I got mine, I hope you Challenge him to single combat. If you win, you'll have your freedom. And when I see you, I'ma take what I want, so... Amen. The only way John Wick will ever have freedom and peace is in death. Yeah, not really. There he is, the inimitable. Keanu Reeves. People go mad for Keanu Reeves because he has this, you know, he has, you know, he he said that his honey was the person he wanted to. Someone said, "Who would you, who would you like to cuddle?" And he said, "Oh, my honey." Like he's very respectful or yeah. something very cutesy about. Him. I mean, and he's again, a man of few words. At the same time, like if if you were going out with someone, someone said, "Who would you like to cuddle?" and you said somebody else. <laughs> Like, you're not getting spoken to for the rest of the day, are you? doesn't matter who you say. If he says Lawrence Fishburne, then you're like, hey, oh, the Matrix has a whole new meaning now, doesn't it? But also, if 
I was going out with Kenna Reeves. I know people talk about the ick a bit too much, so I'm not going to say the ick. But if I was going out with Kenna Reeves and in an interview they said, who's the person you'd like to cuddle most? And he said, my honey Orla. I'd be like, you're done, Kenna. I'm no one's honey. And don't call me honey. Well, he puts the ick in John Wick in this. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. That's that's the height of your career. Oh, that is. My career. Oh, God. I didn't even (laughs) consider this a career. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Lawrence Fishburne is in this as well. Ian McShane. Ian McShane. Who was in something when I was a kid and I can't remember what it was. Fair play to him. Cowboyish thing. Don't know what it was. Um... I don't know. Like a series on Sky or something like that. Loved it. Love Ian McShane. Did you recognise him from anything? Parts of the Caribbean. And he's also Oh yes, in, of course. He's also in like all the John Wicks. Okay. So yeah. tell me about John Wick. Not John, plural. John Wick is is James Bond if he was just more casual about it. Like he he's a hitman. And right. so like hitmen are notorious for not being conversationalists. Do you know? They they need to yeah. say what they need to get done. So he wouldn't work as James Bond then because James has to be suave and all those things. Yeah, well, the spies are notorious for trying to find out information really more than anything. Okay. Whereas hitmen just have to hit, kill people. Yeah, okay. Which, I know, it's a career. So, there you go, that's the story. It's on the CAO, but it's a career path. <laughs> and it's it's he's just literally trying to gain his freedom is, is his main goal. That's all he wants is to not have to kill people anymore. Okay, so he's he's got a heart. Oh yeah, yeah. Like the whole thing is the first, the start of the first movie. And this isn't really spoilers because this is what John Wick is known as. Mm. His wife dies. Okay, that's where and all she, the flashbacks in the trailer are coming. Exactly, from. and she leaves him a puppy. Right. And then, <gasps> don't say the dog dies. Oh, this is the most. No, 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 this is no, the most no. famous case that's of the not dog meant dying. To happen in so a these movie. fellas go in to try and finish no, off no. John Wick, and this little puppy okay, gets yeah, killed. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then the first movie is him trying to like is get him getting revenge for his dog, honestly, more than anything. And then honestly, because he kind of breaks rules and stuff in the Hitman kind of code, he kind of gets more and more in trouble. And this is the the big the the big show off of like the whole Hitman kind of community is against him, and he has to he still just wants to be free to not have to kill people anymore. But he'd be killing people. He he killed people a lot in this now. So it, we're on chapter four. So yeah. the revenge was the puppy and the wife in number one. Yeah. Number two. The second one, like, is literally just a case of the Carry next on step. Regardless. Yeah. Okay. Like, honestly, it's just a case of every time he's brought in to yeah. make these, pro- he's made these promises okay. he's to fulfill okay. and all these things. So he's it's just a never ending circle for him. Essentially, yeah. Is this the last one then he's trying to get out? This is the last one. Okay. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. Where do we go from here? It it is just a case. So, uh, is it which Skarsgård is it? I think it's Bill Skarsgård. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's so he's the bad guy, and okay. the Skarsgårds, fantastic. I don't know what's yeah, in what's brilliant. in the, the water over in Sweden, mm. but they're all fantastic. But Bill Skarsgård, I think, might be the best one. So this is a young one. Yeah. Well, yeah. like he's just he's just the marquee marquee, and he's essentially he's been given all the amenities of the kind of hitman mm-hmm. table. And he can do whatever he wants in order to kill John Wick. That's the that's the whole premise of the whole thing. Okay. And there's some like Donnie Yen is in this, and he's fantastic. Like Donnie Yen, probably famous for being Ip Man, really more mm-hmm. than anything. And he was in Rogue One as well, which is where I kind of saw him. And he he's he's this blind fighter in this, and the fighting he does, and like the co- fight choreography is probably what John Wick is most famous for. Okay. Like there's some action movies, and then there's John Wick action. Like John Wick. Pushed forward, fight, choreography. He does like 90% of his own stunts, like to be fair to him. And it just looks and feels so real because obviously he's not superimposing. Sometimes you can tell, like, from just if you're really looking, you're going, okay, that's probably not him, do you know? (laughs) But a lot of the time it is. And it's it's just 
such a like a, do you know when they just get a cast that's well done like mm. it's not the biggest names but it's the right people okay it's one of those kind of sets of movies and the whole all four of them are fantastic and it has a plot a, a, a meaty enough plot that if you aren't really into all that kind of stunt stuff that you'd stick with the story well the story is that he wants to to keep killing that he wants to kill the table he wants to kill the table for his freedom okay. he wants to end like the hitman yeah. regime essentially mm-hmm. but the marquee becomes his number one target and he has to kind of get him because okay. he's after him completely and there's some insane fights in it like sometimes it just little like little bits of it feel like it's just too much like with Fast and Furious how they went into space it's like okay, oh, okay. a line has been overstepped yes. like there was one partner where he just gets hit by a car like five times like five different cars. Yeah. Okay. Poor fella. He's okay now though. But he's okay. But like, it's kind of one of those things like, okay, he's probably trained to get away from these situations and not take the full force of impact. But still like, you're going to feel some thought after a while, like, you know? He doesn't seem like the type, Keanu Reeves, that, you know, when you see someone like your man in Fast and Furious, what's that little fella's name? Vin Diesel? Yeah. The little (laughs) fella. Ah, Jesus! What a put down! Yeah, <laughs> but you can see that he's quite trained and everything. There's something yeah. a little bit. I threw this. I threw this suit together. Come and get me, car! Hit me as much as you want. I might fall over. About yeah. Keanu Reeves. He's just. He's just like, like he's not talking about you know the 200 grams of protein he ate every day to no, train for this. He's literally just. It's a very, more of a skillful fighting rather than okay. a physical thing. But they're <laughs> like. The fights in it are so well done because do you know the way sometimes in a thing like they might kick a bad guy and he's dead. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah, that doesn't happen. You know, okay. They kick somebody, they go down, they come back up, and then they're like they hit him in the head, but not that hard. They go fall down, but they get back up again. Do you know, they really yeah. have to get them. So you have to, to leave get them. your belief system. Yeah, at home really don't. Well, you? no, you ha- like it, it. It kind of acknowledges that like people don't go down super easy. Like you might be sore, but you'll get back up if you're. Life depends and on And what's it. with the silence? Like, it was very hard to find a clip even for this week's promo because, like, Keanu, you know, he basically says, I think not. Yeah. And See, stuff like that. He doesn't himself speak a lot. Like, there's not a lot of talking in it. The action okay. kind of does the talking in the film. And there's, like, very lot. Like, there's one scene in particular. It's like, like it looks like a one-take one, one take action scene. Insane. Like, you know, it's, it's from above. I've, I've actually never kind of seen an action scene mm. like it. But mm. there's, like, there's... There's one scene again, like towards the end, on the, on a stairs, and it's it's heartbreaking, like because he's going trying, like, you, but it's just the intensity of the fights, you know? Okay. They're like really, really. You can feel the hits, you can okay. feel the punches. So I'm feeling if you like stunts and you like fighting, John Wick is for you. If you like stunts, the John Wick franchise is for you. But okay. this personally, yeah, it's fine. And this is it. Yeah. And it's 200. No. 200. <laughs> it's not. It's 169 minutes long. Yeah. Let's black pudding it there. I gave it like an 8.5 out of 10. I, okay, I, good I was, stuff. I was struggling to put it, I couldn't put it as low as an 8, but I couldn't just put it as high as a 9. Okay. Do you know? But yeah, it is It is that little bit of his kind of, he's getting away with it a, a small bit too much, do you know? 8.5 out of 10. That is Black Puddings wise. And um, before you go, that is John Wick, Chapter 4. Yes. Like to me, like Keanu Reeves is that surfer, point blank, yeah. kind of Bill and Ted that's who he is to me. Do, is he more Matrixy kind of John Wick? He's kinda? more. He's serious John Wick. Or he's okay. serious. And which is he to you? To me, I, I always he's feel he's just a hippie to me. He can be. He can be both really. Okay. Like he can be kind of like happy, but I, I can tell that he's the kind of fellow when he's talking, he kind of nods his head in yeah. real life. But when this, he's very kind of stoic. So okay. All right. I don't know. While I'm watching John Wick, I see John Wick, not Keanu. If that makes sense. Well, that's a that's a good thing. Mm. Eight and a half black puddings out of ten. Brian, we will talk to you next week. Sounds good. 
The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103.